0: I'm going to be starting a new series today called Parables of the Bible. Everybody say parables. These are kind of those cool stories. If you were ever part of Sunday school, your mom would, uh, you know, teach you these. Or the Sunday school teacher. You know, Jesus, when he spoke to the people, he knew how to make the word understandable. Jesus did not use King James language. If you've ever watched these movies and Jesus is speaking King James, if he's going, thou artest my brotherest. That's not how Jesus talked. Listen to me, somewhere in in England, King James, a king translated the Bible into his modern day English. First of all, Jesus never spoke English. Jesus lived in a culture that spoke the Greek language. And if you've ever been around Greek people, trust me, they are very exuberant, they're very outspoken. My wife is Greek, and we did have a big fat Greek wedding, okay? Jesus did not walk around going, brothers... I love you. He was not some calm person. Jesus was a radical. Jesus was just extreme. He was a revolutionary. He was better than Che Guevara. Are you listening to me? He was better than all of the American revolutionaries. He was passionate. And when he spoke to the people, he spoke in such a way that farmers would go, oh, I got it. That the people of the day, that children would go, oh, I get what you're saying, Jesus. So listen to me. If you've ever been to a church and you're like, what did that guy talk about? You know, I mean, if you did not get it, you were not in a church that was preaching like Jesus. No offense to them. We love everybody. But when Jesus preached, everybody walked out of there and goes, hey, did you get that? Yeah, I I totally got that. He talked about the farm. And yeah, and I get it. Everybody say parables. So a parable is a story to help you understand the truth. That's simply what it is. And so for the next few weeks, I'm just going to give you the parables of Jesus, just some popular parables in your Bible. You can read them anytime. And I want to teach them here on Sunday mornings so that you can just get excited about what God is saying. So at the end of the service, you can go, hey, I got it. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to get it. Come on, look at your Bibles in Matthew 13, verse 1. You are going to get it. In a good way. Not you're going to get it. Not like that. Matthew chapter 13 verse 1. The four hearts. That's the parable that you're going to learn today. The four hearts. We're going to read the passage. It's a little lengthy, but it's pretty good to hear the Bible every now and then. Amen? Especially in church, right? We should hear it. Okay, hopefully it's not too boring for you all, but here's the Bible in church this morning. Okay, Matthew 13 verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. See, Jesus, first of all, knew where to have church, amen? How many would like to be sitting by the lake right now having church? Church by the lake, amen? Oh, bless the Lord. Right now I'm trying to get a ski boat. Just pray that that thing comes through, amen? And you know whose fault it is. It's my aunt's fault right there. Aunt Joanne, would you raise your hand right there? Aunt Joanne and her family would take me out water skiing every summer that I could go out in Wisconsin. It changed my life. I love it. I'm trying to do that. Jesus knew where to have church. Somebody say, by the lake. There he goes. Now such crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it. While well, all the people stood on the shore, then he told them many things in parables. Everybody say Parables thank you. Now watch this. We don't live in Jesus's time. So the parable he's going to tell is probably going to be a little weird for us because we don't live where Jesus lived. But if you were around when Jesus was around, you would just get it right off the bat. Okay. Now here's the deal. Jesus lived in a farming culture. Was anybody here ever on a farm, brought up on a farm, some back in the homelands? Come on. My family had a farm in Illinois. My Italian grandparents, he wanted to retire on a farm. Okay. Very few of us, but follow this. The reason why Jesus talks about a farmer, because guess what? 2,000 years ago, what were most people? Farmers, agriculture. That's what they did. Get it right here. He's going to teach them a parable. A farmer went out to sow seed. That means to plant seed. Sowing is planting. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up, choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now look right here, friends. If you were a farmer, you would understand exactly what he's talking about. But here's the situation. You wouldn't know spiritually what he's talking about. You would just understand, hey, if, yeah, if I sow seed, some of it goes on the ground, it's not going to grow anything. A bird will eat it. If some of it gets into cracks and rocky places, it will grow, but it will eventually die. If some get among weeds, the weeds will choke it out. But if it goes in good ground, it will grow. So you can understand that probably better. I mean, they can understand probably better than us. You're figuring it out. Everybody say, I'm figuring it out. You got it. You know, it's planting. Right here we're planting a garden or, or planting here like wheat or something like a agricultural item. Now watch what he says in verse 9. though. No, here's the key. He who has ears, let him hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? So, as I'm going to teach you today the parable of the four hearts, I also want to introduce the subject to you for the rest of the weeks, which is parables. Why did Jesus talk in parables? Because the disciples, man, they heard it, they're like, Okay, Jesus, you just talked about, you know, farming. I get it. That would be like, some you know, somebody telling us a parable going, one man goes into traffic and he, and he, he drives for 30 minutes and he comes to his place late. Another person takes the train, he gets there on time. You know, it's like something we would understand and go, okay, but what's the point? Jesus now explains why he tells parables. Somebody say parables. Here you go. He says the knowledge of the secrets. Now say secrets. You see, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you but not to them why was jesus keeping secrets i thought it wasn't polite to keep secrets why does jesus tell the disciples i'm telling you a secret but i don't want the non-disciples to know he's going to explain it to you. Verse 12, whoever has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak in parables. Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not understand, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, you will be ever hearing but never understanding, you will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's hearts have become callous; they hardly hear with their ears they have closed their eyes otherwise they might see with their eyes hear with their ears understand with their hearts and turn and i would heal them so look at what jesus says i'm only giving the definition the explanation of the parables to those who have eyes to see it ears to hear it and a heart to understand it you see, my friends, if you don't want to know God's words, you won't know it. He will not force it on you. So when he was with the people, he would tell a parable. He would say, guys, you all know what the kingdom of God, heaven, angels, all the glory. You want to know what it's like? A farmer planting seed, dropping it in the ground. Little birds coming. There it is. Ooh, that's Deep you understand it, Peter? Not a clue. It's really deep. Heaven is like a farmer. But what's the point? Because now you hear it. You're supposed to get hungry for the explanation and be a disciple. And a disciple is a learner. That's what that word disciple means. And you're supposed to come to Jesus and say, help me understand the parable. But those who don't want to, they're just going to walk away and go, oh, that dude's nuts. man. He talked about farming. I came to learn about God. He talked about farming. How many of you all get why Jesus talked in parables? Because he made it an option. Do you want to really know? Because here's the illustration. Here's the parable. But if you want to know the explanation, the secret, you have to be his friend. You have to come and ask him. You have to open your eyes. So people are like, I'm not believing in God until I see him. You'll never see him that way. It's not like God is going, oh, no, Bob doesn't believe in me unless I come down there. Okay, Bob, here I am. Come on. You know, that does not work. Oh, I'm not believing it till I see him. You'll never see him that way. But the Bible says those who are pure in heart will see him all the time. Praise God. If you seek Him, you will find Him. If you knock, the door will be answered. If you ask, see, you have to humble yourself. Father, I want to know you. You'll have an answer. You'll get what you asked for. Amen. So that's why parables, by the way, because Jesus taught the secrets and only wanted to give it to those who really wanted to know it. Now, here He explains it to them. Verse 16, but blessed are your eyes. Somebody say, my eyes. Come on, because you're here because you want to learn. Amen. Praise God. He said, Blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. So he said, Man, for 2,000 years, even before Jesus, you've got to understand, the prophets were around preaching, and he says, These prophets that you read about, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, they longed to be with me, and they couldn't see it. They were good guys, but I wasn't close to Him, so i couldn't give them the secret he said now i'm on this earth imagine this jesus on the earth god in the flesh you can talk to him hello imagine talking to god god jesus tell me about this could you imagine asking jesus a question that's what these guys had the opportunity to do so he said the prophets long to see this everybody say long come on say the word long they long to see this so now he says i'm going to tell you like a t-i-s like a T S. He says, man, I'm going to hang out with my boys, my disciples. I'm going to teach them this parable. Are you ready to learn the secret of the parable? Verse 18, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown among the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he Quickly falls away. Somebody say, quickly. Thank you. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word of God, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of riches choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil. Somebody say, good soil. Thank you. Good soil is the man who hears the word, understands this, and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Can you say, Amen. There's the explanation. Now, here's what I get paid to do on Sunday mornings. I'm going to explain it even more. Amen. I'm going to make it plain. Somebody say, make it plain. Come on. Somebody say, make it plain, preacher. Right here, the seed represents the Word of God. On the back of your announcements are notes you can follow along so that this week you can remember this tremendous message of Jesus. The seed that is being sown represents the Word of God. Jesus told us that. Number two, the farmer or the sower represents the preacher of the word of god so anyone who preaches the word of god in this parable is considered a sower the word of god is considered like seed and wherever the ground goes it is the heart of man so what is the my friend the seed it is the one the word of god the farmer is what the preacher and the soils are the what the different hearts amen everybody say i'm learning something now today I want to talk to you about the four hearts. The four different grounds that Jesus says the word of God falls on. Let's start. Let's take the first one, verse 19. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown among the path. How many know if we drop seed right now onto the concrete, it would not grow? And Jesus said, these are those who hear the word, but do not understand it. I want you to think about this. You cannot believe in something you do not understand. You can't. Think about it. If you don't understand it, you won't believe it. Let me give you an example about the space station. If I said to people 200 years ago, people, human beings, are going to live in space, they wouldn't believe that. They would, I, I, and they said, you mean on a planet? No, no, no. They're going to be in the black part. They're going to be in space itself. They wouldn't understand it. And they wouldn't what? Believe it. How many know if I keep talking about it, they would think I was crazy? Y'all getting this right now? If I said 200 years ago, there's going to be people in space riding on exercise bikes, you would think I was crazy. There's going to be people in space playing video games. you think I was crazy? There's going to be people in space floating around planting gardens, little tomato plants. How many think 200 years ago they would think I was crazy? They couldn't believe it. Because why? They wouldn't understand it. Now let's take, for example, why you believe in the space station. You understand it. You understand a little bit about rocket science. We're pretty smart, aren't we? We understand that something big up there can hang up there if it's in the gravitational pull of the earth. We understand that if we bring on space chutes and have our own oxygen with us out there, we can breathe. And therefore, if there's oxygen and we can have water, then life like plants can be up there. And anything we can bolt down to that thing can be up there with us too. Video games, to exercise bikes, etc. Now, do you believe that somebody can live in space? Do you believe that somebody can exercise in space? Do you believe that somebody can plant a garden in space? Now, why today are there atheists? This is the main category of those who have the heart of unbelief. This is what he's talking about. They don't believe it. You know why? Because they don't understand how God could create this world. They think science has explained it better. They don't understand how God can know each and every one of us and each and every one of us be special. They think that that's just make-believe. And so they don't understand it and thus they don't believe in it. You see, my friends, I'm not here to be angry with you if you don't believe in our God. What I want to do is help you understand our God. I want you to understand that Christians have been intelligent this whole time. People like Sir Isaac Newton, who are still regarded today as one of the best scientists around, were great believers in God. That people have always held a belief in God, and yet done science, done medical work, have helped change this world. You see, my friends, if you're here today, and you're saying, I cannot believe the Bible because I cannot understand the teachings of Jesus, you know what you need to do? Number one, you need to study the life of Jesus. Lee Strobel was a lawyer that worked at the Chicago Tribune. He never believed in God. He was brought up an atheist. He said, I never will believe in God. And one day his wife started believing in God threw his whole world off. His wife went to church, fell in love with Jesus and started going every week. He was a lawyer. He wrote for the Chicago Tribune. His whole idea was just to research stuff in this city. And he said, you know what? I'm going to go to that church. I'm going to tell that pastor a thing or two. He went to the church. This is a true story, my friends. He went to the church, and he said, Pastor, I'm going to study your Christian faith, and within a week, I'm going to disprove it, and I'll be back here. He couldn't disprove it in a week. He had to keep studying two weeks, three weeks. A year later, he converted to Christianity. He wrote a book, Lee Strobel. He has LeeStrobel.com, one of the best defense faith of the faith a websites, LeeStrobel.com. He wrote a book called The Case for Christ. A lawyer was converted. What converted Lee Strobel? As he began to study the teachings of Jesus and number two, the resurrection of Jesus. He found out that it is an indisputable fact that Jesus Christ did raise from the dead. And thus if Jesus raised from the dead, everything else he claimed has to be true. So today, if you have a hard heart, we're not here to be angry at you. We're not going to threaten you with hell, because in your mind, hell doesn't even exist. But what I say to you, if you take us seriously enough, if, if, if as Lee Strobel, if you take what your wife is saying seriously enough, then you study it for yourself. And then number three, see if the Bible answers logically the questions of life. Why am I here? How did I get here? And where am I going? How many know, if you do not believe the Bible, the next best thing after that is evolution? And how many know evolution leaves you hopeless? Because if you believe there is no God, then all we are is just a product of chance. And we're in a universe right now that is among millions of universes. And so our little minuscule life really means nothing. Do you think about the ant? Do you think about the little piece of uh, amoeba on a, uh, on a dust molecule? No. And that's all we would be without a God. But my friends, we are special. Why? Because we're made in the image of God. And God loves us. I know there may not be a lot of number ones in here today. Not a number ones. Probably don't come on Sunday morning church. But if anybody brought you here today, Jesus has a word for you. Do not let your heart be hard because every time you hear the word, the devil will keep taking it because you don't understand it. But if you want to understand, that you'll receive it and become as crazy as us christians amen come on christians say amen Amen. praise the lord number two jesus said the one who received the seed that fell on rocky places somebody say the rocky heart come on the rocky heart that fell on rocky places is the man who heard the word and at once receives it with joy wow this person's the opposite of the hard heart right The hard heart says, man, I don't believe this Jesus stuff. Man, I'm not going to do this. I don't understand. I don't believe it's real. The one that falls on rocky places says, yay, I want to be a Christian. Yes, I want to go to heaven. It says they receive it with joy. But then there's a but. Somebody said there's a big old but that gets in the way. Come on, but since it has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. What do we learn right here? Is that when somebody becomes a Christian, if they don't allow their roots to go deep, the sun will scorch it. My friends, Christianity is not a free ticket to heaven. Christianity is a lifestyle It is a commitment to the teachings of Jesus. One of the greatest things we have going for us today in America is that we have the freedom of religion. And so we get to preach Jesus however we want. We get to have Jesus on bumper stickers. And so for us to commit to Jesus, it doesn't take a whole lot. But still, in our day and age, maybe your family may not be so happy. We've already heard in this church that husbands say to their wives, if you come to church, I'm going to divorce you. And we begin to see persecution. Do you know that in Jesus' day, if you accepted His teachings, you instantly put a death sentence on yourself? Do you know that for the first 300 years of the Christian church history, we were not like Muslims doing holy jihad across the Middle East. We were being killed by the dozens, by the hundreds, by the thousands. As a matter of fact, the only reason why the Roman Catholic Church was established in 325 A.D. is because the Roman government fell to the knees of the church. Because the more they died, the more... Or we multiplied. Come on. They couldn't, they couldn't fight against us. So they came with us. Amen. But the Bible says that there's still people today and they may be here right now. You don't know who they are because you see, when, when you start to grow in a rocky place, you look just like everybody else. No one knows that you're in a rocky place. And you, and, and you have joy and you love God. And listen to me, there's nothing wrong with you. We're not, we're not saying that, that, that you're bad or that I'm a better Christian because I've lasted 15 years. No, listen to me. The only difference is, is that rocky place doesn't give you enough depth to grow deep. And what we call this now today in our church age, we call this a backslider. This means that you get excited about God, but over time you begin to go back. At first you came to church and you said, man, I'm going to be committed to the Lord every Sunday. I'm going to read my Bible and pray. And you know you felt God. God was real inside of your heart. But time will begin to go by. Your roots won't go down that deep. You're not really reading your Bible and praying. And what begins to happen? Oh, man, Sunday's game day. Man, I've got to watch the Cubs. You know. Come on, Sunday's family day. And all of a sudden Sunday gets out of your life. And then, man, I'm too busy to read my Bible. And you know, God, you understand. Because I'm just too busy taking care of my family and all these good things. That sun begins to come out and it gets hotter. And normally what does the sun do? Photosynthesis. It gives those little leaves energy and it begins to grow it. But that very sun that could give you life, that very situation that could draw you closer, you're getting persecuted. Things are getting your life. Oh, God, I need you. Those very things that could give you life actually begin to kill you. You see, people ask me, Joe, how did you make it through your first years of getting off drugs, getting away from your friends, when I know you went through all those troubles? Because all those troubles brought me to Christ. You see, it's the same son. Some people allow the trouble to bring them to God. Other people let the trouble take them away from God. You see, there's three things you got to do today if you're that stony heart. Number one, you got to let God's Word touch the deepest parts of your life. Yes you've received him. Yes you know he's real. You're not doubting him. And and even in your own mind you might think, "Well, I'm better than the other guy because he's a hard heart." Yeah, you're better, but listen to me. You won't have the same you won't have better results. Both of you will die if you don't change. Number one, let your roots grow deep. That's why Metro Praise gives such a simple vision, connect, mentor, send. We just don't want you here on Sunday morning. We want you to be a part of the life of a Christian. And it's not like this is a cult, my friend. This is a lifestyle. How many know when you love something, you love being around people who do that? How many know when you go watch a Cubs game, there's just not two people there? I know a lot of you Sox fans, you you wouldn't show up. But listen to me, when you go to your game, there's people there, right? We don't want to go to a ball game and say, I hope I'm the only one. You know, even though it's bad with parking, you want it to be packed. You, you, we like that feeling like, man, I'm a part of something. My friends, it's the same thing with God. If you don't let it touch you, if you don't let people around you help you, it's going to die. Number two, you've got to put God before family and friends. This does not mean that family and friends are not important. But God said, you have to put me first. The only way, my friends, I would ever be a good husband if I knew how to put God first. Because I don't know how to treat my wife unless God helps me. The only way I could be a good father to my children is if I put God first. Because, man, I need God's help. I'm telling you, man, for the first time, and you guys might want to lock me up, man, but I think some parents might understand. For the first time, I slapped Bethany's hand out of anger. I did. Oh, y'all look at me bad now. Oh, shame. Man, she was acting crazy and I had, I had Hannah in this hand and she kept grabbing something and when I was trying to get it out of her hand, uh, Hannah slipped a little bit and then she fell to this side and then I took Bethany's hand and I slapped it out of anger. Come on, how many parents have ever done that? I'm not alone. Thank you, Lord. But how many know I had to ask God for forgiveness? I had to say, Lord, I'm sorry. And I had to take little, little, little Bethany in my arms. And it's nothing wrong with slapping the hand. Bible says you need to spank and have forms of discipline. I'm just saying, I know I did it wrong. Why do I have to put God before my family? Because I will be a terrible father without God. And some of you might say, well, Pastor, I've been doing this pretty good without God. I don't think you understand how deep this relationship is supposed to go. You're supposed to teach your children the morals and the things of God. And then once you try to do that on your own, you will realize you can't. You have to have God, so put Him first. And then number three, in times of trouble, pray for rain. What makes that little seedling able to grow and get those deep roots when that hot sun is out is that rain of refreshing, that rain of refreshing. You may be a new Christian and say, oh, man, my job is getting to me. These troubles are getting to me. You need to fall on your knees and say, Jesus, I need a Holy Ghost outpouring of your rain. Rain on me, Jesus. I promise you, you put on the worship album, you get alone and start to pray and say, God, touch me with your spirit it you'll start to feel the rain of god's love come on christians how many ever been through something and god touched you with his love you don't know how you didn't know that it could come that way but god opened up a floodgate for you I'm telling you, my friends, in times of trouble, don't run away from God. Run to God, and He will refresh you with His rain. and you will know that He is with you, and you'll begin to grow, and those roots will grow down deep, and that ground will become soft, and you'll begin to see the work of God in your life. Amen. Come on. Praise God. The third one is the weedy heart. Somebody say the weedy heart. Not the weeny heart. The weedy heart. Praise the Lord. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns or the thorny heart. What do I have on your paper? Thorny or weedy? Okay, weedy. that's what I thought. Thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it out, making it unfruitful. So you're saying, man, pastor, I'm doing good. My roots are growing down deep. My heart's not hard anymore. and, And I'm sticking through this thing through thick and thin. The rain of God is falling on me. Well, there's one last danger you got to watch out for. Weeds in the garden. How many have ever done gardening before? How many kids have ever wished their mom never did gardening because you had to pick her weeds? <laughs> That's all I did. I were picking my mom's weeds. I'm like, Mom, put down some rocks and we'll be okay. Hallelujah. But my mom had to have the garden. I had to pick the weeds. My friends, listen to me. You can go to that garden today like a Sunday. It's so beautiful outside. You can get at your garden. You can get every single weed out. You can just just make that thing look beautiful. How many know in two days there's going to be little weeds coming up? You see, this third heart represents the person that daily has to pick the weeds, but they give up and stop picking them. My friend, the temptations of worry and the love of money can take your Christianity away at any time. You'll still be here on Sunday. You'll still be coming to church. You'll still say you love God. You'll be wearing that cross. You know what I'm saying? You'll still be doing that. But in your heart, he's not like he used to be. Why? Because the love of money took it away. And you might say, Pastor, I don't love money like that. You know, that would never happen to me. You know what money is? Money represents what you want. And you'll love the things you want more than what God wants. Worry. You might say, Pastor, I would never worry that much. Yes, yes. You know what worry is? Worry is you trying to take the driver's wheel of your life and not letting God. You know how many people I've met that have come to me and they meet me at this other Pastor, my life falling apart. My children are crazy. My job, i have lost my job. What am I going to do? You know what that is? That is you behind the worry wheel. Ah! You know what you need to do? You need to get out the car, leave the car running, get out the car, let Jesus come in, shut the door, pop open the trunk, get in the trunk, shut the trunk, text Jesus, you're in control. That's what you need to do. That's how you eliminate worry. You let go and you let God, is the old way of saying it. Let go and let God. My friends, I have gray hair. I cannot change one of them to black by thinking about it. Uh, Some of you guys are small. Don't laugh at me because some of you are small. And you can't make yourself grow an inch. The Bible says both of those examples to tell you, if you can't change the smallest things about you, your hair color or growing an inch, I'm talking about thinking about it, okay? I'm not talking about high heels ladies and dyeing your hair, fellas. If you can't do it by thinking about it, how much more little control do you have over everything in your life? You can't change it by thinking about it. Now, I'm not talking about being lazy in a couch potato. There is no Christian that can ever use that excuse because the Bible says if a man doesn't work, he can't eat. The Bible says do all things as unto the Lord, work as unto God, and that we are to work six days and rest one. So this is not talking about being lazy. This is talking about, and every one of us have been here: it's when you've done everything you can and still the bills aren't paid. You've done everything you can and there's still a conflict in a relationship. You've done everything you can. You know what you do? You trust God. And that's not make-believe, my friends. That's a real power that comes from trusting God. How many have ever trusted God and seen Him came through? I have trusted God throughout these years of my life, and He's never let me down. As they used to say, He may not come on time. mean, He may not come when you want Him, but He's never late. He will come. He will come when he decides to come. And so this weedy heart today, the only difference is, is that they don't want every day to be changed. You see, if you want to get rid of this weedy heart, you know what you need to do every day. Ask God for a pure heart. Man, I'm telling you, boy, I went out and looked at those boats yesterday with Dylan, and envy began to come up in my heart like a little weed. 60000 boat, boat, 60000 hour boat, why can't I afford that? Why can't I afford that little book? Come on, you all looking at me crazy right now. Don't you ever want anything in life and you just, you want it? You look at it, maybe it's a big TV, maybe it's a vacation to Puerto Rico. You know, why can't I go to Puerto Rico? Everybody else is going. Maybe that's how you talk, I don't know. So here comes this little weed, and then I just had to look at Dylan, I had to say, man, I'm not going to envy these people because you know what? I have what God has for me. What God wanted me to have, I have. And I only have a few thousand dollars to spend on a boat. And, and these people got all this money spent on boat. That's between them and God. But I'm going to ask them for a pure heart. Because I can't let that get in my heart. Could you just imagine that today? I get so greedy. Just imagine. how I'm going to use myself as an example. Imagine if I got so greedy today. I'd go out and take if They even would loan me the money. I'd take out this loan for a $20,000 boat. And here I am driving this boat like this. And God says, you love that boat more than you love me. Would any of you think I made a good choice? No. Now, if I could afford that boat, praise God. But I can't. And the whole idea is when that desire comes up, I deserve this boat. Man, don't you know how hard I work? I deserve these things in life. That's the love of money. Don't let that heart come in you. It would be better for all y'all to live in a one-bedroom apartment and to have the Holy Ghost and some love on the table than to be eating filet mignon. Come on, somebody. God will satisfy now if you can have both, that's awesome. If you want to buy your pastor a boat, let's go out shopping, amen? No, I'm kidding. Ask, but I don't want to take everybody out by the way. We're going to take turns. We're going to go, well, I got this whole thing planned out. A little summer retreat. Come on, guys. Water ski tubing. Okay, ask for a pure heart every day. Number two, which is supposed to say number two, trust God at all times. So I'm trusting God for a boat. You might say that's silly, but you're trusting God for something. I don't think that's silly. You're trusting God for a new job. You're trusting God for your family to get back, back together. You're trusting God for things to change. Well, it's all trust. Trust God and don't get so worried that you allow those weeds to come up. Number three, pick the weeds daily. How many know worry and the lust of the flesh, the boastful boastful pride of life? These things will come up every day. You go out today, like I said, you pick your garden, and you go out two days, it's going to be there again. The Christian life is saying, God, change my heart. Would you all stand with me, please? Lilani, would you come? If you want to take notes, I'm going to test your ability to take notes while you stand. I want you to see the last heart, but the one who received the seed... That fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. See, he understands what he hears. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Think about this. You begin every day to believe the word of God. You say, God, I believe you. See, the guy that had the stony heart, the woman had the stony heart, they don't believe it. You do. So every day you say, God, I believe this. If I don't understand it, I'm going to study it. I'm going to get around pastor, other people who have studied it, so I can understand it better. You're not going to be brainwashed here. We don't believe in that. But you're going to believe the Word of God. Do you have any questions? Email me. Call me. you got leaders in every one of your ministries you can call and talk to. So you believe the Word of God. What's the second thing? You let God's Word touch the deepest parts of your life. You just say, God, take over every part of me so that when the sun comes out because you know what everybody's going to have trouble in life I wish that being a Christian would take away trouble it doesn't as a matter of fact God said you had trouble but now you're going to have more trouble because not only do we have the troubles of everybody else you know everybody else has the trouble of waking up tired in the morning everybody else has the trouble of being laid off from their job but now we have the trouble of being persecuted for loving Jesus Jesus We have this guy, uh, Chris, he's a part of a drug and alcohol rehab problem. He's going through the average trouble of anybody trying to get set free. And then now he's getting punched in the face by an alcoholic. He's like, dude, if I wanted to fight in a bar, I could have done this on my own time. But you see, God is saying, in that time of trouble, you let me touch the deepest parts. You let me touch the deepest parts. And you'll grow deep roots. And then the last thing he says, pick the weeds. So what was Jesus trying to tell these old farmers? What was he trying to tell these people 2,000 years ago? He was saying, when I look at you, I want to see you to be a fruitful tree. I don't want to see anybody have a cold heart. I don't want to see anybody have a shallow relationship that gives up. I don't want to see you have weeds choke you and you can't enjoy life because so many things are choking you. He said, when I see you, I want you to bear fruit. And then he threw something in there that only farmers would understand. He said, I want you to bear 30, 60, 100 fold. Fold means times. I want you to think about this. One apple seed will go into the ground and grow one apple tree. That apple tree will yield on a low end 100 apples a year. That apple tree will then produce fruit for upwards of a hundred years, but at least for 20 years. That one seed will produce 20,000 apples. There are at least six seeds in each apple. That will then produce 120,000 new apple trees, That will then produce 120,000 apple trees. Do you get the idea? What is God trying to say? You let me touch your heart. I'll do things that you could never imagine. He says, you let my word touch your heart. I'll do things in you you could not comprehend. It will blow you away. You farmers, you want to see 30, 60, 100 fold on these crops. That's what I'll do in your family. That's what I'll do in your job. That's what I'll do in your children's life. That's what I'll do for you today. That's what Jesus was saying. If you take me at my word, I will produce fruit and change in your life. And God is asking us. He's asking for me, the pastor to the first time visitor. He's saying, will you let me have your heart? Will you let me have it? Because I am a good farmer. My word is good and it will produce seed that produces a harvest. He says His word will never return void. That promise may take its time in coming, but that promise will be fulfilled. God will change our lives. God will bless us. And so today in closing, I'm going to ask that right here in this corner, Ishmael and Araceli. Ishmael and Araceli right here are going to represent the first heart. In just a moment, if you are here today and you would say, man, my heart is hard, Pastor. And you just preaching to me started penetrating. I need some help in understanding the Word of God. You're going to go there today and you're going to say in just a few moments, man, I need prayer so that my heart gets soft. And you know the way I look at it? You all ever seen construction workers downtown pounding on that concrete? When we went downtown to get our passports, these guys are just plowing through that, man. The hardest of ground will break with the right amount of force. Let me tell you something. God is big enough to break your heart into a million pieces and then heal you and put you back together. He's big enough to get out that junk in your life. Number two, right back there, David and Liz, David and Liz right back there are going to represent today if you have the shallow, the rocky heart. You're saying, Pastor, my heart, man, I'm hanging in there. I love Jesus. I love Him. I'm hanging in there. But, man, it's getting hard for me right now. That sun is beating on me, Pastor. You don't understand what I'm going through this week. I thought it would change, but it's getting harder. I want you to go back there and get prayer today so that the rain of the Holy Spirit can begin to refresh you. I'm telling you, rain will change the whole scenario. Talk to any farmer. Rain will change it like that. Everything's going bad. Rain, boom, we're doing good again. Droughts are the worst thing for a farmer. Pray for rain. Over here in this corner, I want Jared and Eddie Birdo and Griselda, because I believe there's going to be more in this corner. You're going to represent here the weeds. You say, Pastor, today, man, I've loved Jesus for two years. I'm doing great. But I notice there's these issues that come up from time to time. They get a hold of my heart. They get a hold of my heart. If that's you today, I'm going to want you to get prayer for that. We're going to dismiss all together, so do not leave today until we dismiss all together. And then for the fourth heart, I'm going to ask you just to come up here and say, Jesus, produce a harvest in my life. Now listen to me. I'm not going to manipulate it. You want to sit at your seat and wait for us to dismiss. We're going to have some cookies and we're going to hang out. Please hang out. Don't go anywhere. But listen, for you to step up here, what you're saying is I got it right. You might say, Pastor, nobody's perfect. Yeah, in this service you can because you're going to pray and get it right. Okay, you're not always a dirty sinner. Okay, you're not always a miserable thing. Okay, God loves you. If, you, if you've been prayed for here, then come up to the front and say, God, do something great in me now. Sometimes we get this mentality that we're, we're, we're always just dirty, rotten sinners in God's eyes. That's why He died for us, friends. So that we could be changed. He doesn't look at me as a dirty, rotten sinner anymore. He looks at me as good ground. And yeah, He prunes junk out of my life, man. But that's who I am to Him. I'm not a dirty, rotten weed. Amen. So today we're going to take just five minutes of your time. ask you to go to prayer stations and I want my 201 class to have their eyes open if more people come to these areas. We're going to pray with you. I'm going to pray and dismiss and then let's hang out before we hang out. Amen. Let's hang out with God before we hang out with each other. Can we do that? Father, I thank you today. What a simple parable, Lord. Now we can put it into action. Nobody's better than the other person. God, those praying for people today are no better, but Lord, we're here to Just offer up prayer. Because we don't want anybody leaving here, God, the same way they came. Lord, we want to see lives changed. We want everybody to be that fruit, that tree you said we could be. So, Lord, you gave us a parable. We've learned from it. Now, God, I just ask that we put it into our practice right now give us strength and encouragement i pray lord if there's any unbeliever or just someone agnostic they're doubting their faith lord i pray for no shame no shame today lord anybody today just struggling i pray god you take away any embarrassment they just say hey i need a prayer Got anybody with any weeds? I don't care if it's the weeds of homosexuality, the weeds of adultery, the weeds of pornography, the weeds of worry, the weeds of greed, whatever they are. God, let them just confess it and get it out their heart today. And God, as we begin to fill up this front, as people begin to say, My heart's right, God bless us with 30, 60, 100 fold. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you do that with me right now for five minutes? Just come on, begin to move. Just begin to move across this place right now. Don't be embarrassed to come up to the front if you're living for God. That's okay. Those that are here, just start to pray with us for those getting prayer. Then we're going to do a prayer together. God, just transform everybody's life today. Transform this church, God. We thank you, Lord, that our hearts are being tilled by the tractor of the Holy Ghost. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Eyes arise The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. We lift up every person going through a struggle today of getting deep roots. We pray for deep roots in this place today. Strength to make it through. Life. you You mighty warrior. Hallelujah.